simple. If when we worry, someone would give us a prescription and then we just can take something that would stop the worrying just like that. But life has taught us that it's not that simple. Worrying is something we deal with every single day and it, it, it can become uh, paralyzing to us if we don't deal with it correctly. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, so you can take out your notes and there's some notes. Uh, take out your bulletin because there's notes in there and it'll help you to follow along. Uh, something I want to communicate before we dive in. Uh, right now we have our music area, our, you know, our worship and things like that. And we have just brought on part-time hire Arnold Penueta, who oversees our music. And he is helping us uh, in this area because it's a big task when you uh, oversee the worship area. So Arnold is helping us with uh, the music side of it. And then I'm not sure if you all know Glenn Motoishi. Some of you do. But he's uh, assisting Arnold in doing this. So both of them have come on uh, part-time uh, with us for this season so when you do see them, uh, see them just uh, pray for them uh, and tell them that we welcome them on board. But we do, and we thank God that they have answered the call and said yes to this task at hand. But more than that, I'm so thankful that they heard God's voice and said, yep, we're going to uh, do this. Uh, Glenn was not able to be here today. Uh, Arnold is getting ready for what's coming up next. Uh, so they're not here right now. We'll probably bring them out maybe next week or something so I can introduce them to you personally. Okay? So, let's jump into our message. God's cure for worry. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because all of us will raise our hands because we all worry. Worry is something that we're kind of like natural at. It's by nature that we're concerned about things and, and that things happen, especially in our world and in our personal lives. We worry about these things. Worry or feeling troubled or uneasy can plague us in our personal lives and cause us not to dream anymore, not to risk anymore, not to do the things we once did to bring us to the place that we are today. It can cause us to plateau in our marriages. It can cause us to fail in our families. And it can even cause us to be hindered in our jobs and in our careers and the things we're supposed to be doing for God. Worry is not a great thing to carry. And because we're not created to be worriers, because we're not created to carry this thing called worry with us, then God provides a cure for that. In fact, there's a, a doctor, at, I think it was at John Hopkins University, that said, we have no idea what causes worry and what worry actually does to us. And I thought, well, God knows. He, he knows how we're designed. He, he, knows, he knows how we how we live, how we breathe. He knows how we're created. And these doctors, they try to figure out and they wonder, why is it that people who worry and those who live with a lifestyle of worrying die sooner than those who don't? But God has the answer. And God knows that, and the Bible tells us, because we're not created to worry. Our, our cells, our tissues, our fibers in our bodies, we're not, we're not created to carry worry. And so God has a cure for that. He shows us a way out. We all worry about so many things. And, 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 and this morning, 
you can be worrying about what this message will be about and if it will be about you. So don't worry, because it is. So you don't have to worry about that. We all worry about so many things. We were at a restaurant the other week, and, and it was our date night. So Heidi and I are sitting down, and I figure, I'm going to be adventurous tonight. I'm going to order something I never ordered before. Because I always order the same thing. You know how you eat the same place? You didn't even look at the menu. In fact, they just bring you your plate because they know exactly what you're going to eat. So I said, you know what? I'm going to order the shrimp scampi. And Heidi says, oh, okay, wow. I said, yeah, let's try that. So I'm, I ordered that and I'm eating this thing. And, and, and actually, when, when it came, I looked at it and I thought, I should have ordered something else. <laughs> this thing looks bland. It's plain. It looks like there's no flavor. And... It doesn't look like there's a lot. Like, I think men, when we order something, yeah, we like the flavor, but we care more about the weight than the taste. So it didn't look like a lot, so I was kind of disappointed. But then I took my first bite, and oh, the flavors. I said, this thing is good. So as I'm eating this, you know how when you eat pasta, you kind of breathe it in? You're, or maybe when you're hungry, you just, we call it scuffed down food. You're just eating, and I'm eating, and I'm eating this thing. And, but there's this certain flavor that I just can't, pick out. I don't know what it is. There's like a mint cool flavor. And I'm thinking, what is this? And I said, Heidi, there's something in this that I, I don't know what it is, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. And as I'm eating it, I'm thinking, is there alcohol in this? And I said, Heidi, I think there's alcohol in this. She goes, no. I said, yeah, I think so. So I'm eating it. I'm, I'm thinking, and I don't drink. So I don't, you know, I, I guess I'm more uh, uh, sensitive to it if I eat it. So I'm eating and I'm thinking, yeah, there's like, I think there's alcohol in here. Heidi says, let me try. <laughs> so she tries it, and um, she's like, I, I don't know, I think so. And she says, why don't you ask the waiter? So I said, okay. So the waiter comes over. I said, can you, can you find out if there's alcohol in this? He says, sure. He comes back with a bottle, a Greek uh, 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 alcohol bottle, ozo. So he comes up, and he shows me. He says, this is what's in it. I'm like, oh, no wonder. I said, I knew I tasted something. He said, yeah, it's a, it's a Greek liquor to add flavor and things like that. And, and normally it burns off, but I don't know if it burned off at this time. And so he says, but this is what's in it. I said, okay, well, at least I know. And Heidi says, do you need me to drive? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I can drive us home. No problem. I can do this. So I, I finished the food and I was done. Heidi orders this uh, uh, this other thing, and, and as, she, as her order comes, it's a Portuguese bean soup. As her order comes, I'm thinking, wait a minute. I wonder what people are thinking by this guy coming with this bottle, this alcohol bottle. Now, here's what I'm thinking in this scenario. I step away from what I think, because I know what happened, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking what other people will think, and I'm worried about that. So I'm thinking, I wonder if they're thinking this, that the pastor... Because some of the people knew me in there. He's ordering something to drink. I wonder what, what it is. So as they're eating, they're watching. <gasps> and this is what I'm thinking they're thinking. The waiter comes over with this bottle of liquor. Excuse me, Mr. Luxina. Would you like to have some of this? It's very good. Very good. You like it. And so I'm thinking. I wonder if people are thinking I'm ordering liquor. Man, I'm ordering a drink. Like, ministry is that hard. Give me a drink. I need a drink. So I'm thinking people are thinking this. And I'm like, oh, man. And so Heidi gets her food. She's eating this Portuguese bean soup. She goes, oh, this is so good. You got to try this. I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. She goes, no, you got to try this. I said, no, I'm fine. She goes, try it. Just take one bite. I said, no, that's yours. You eat it. I don't want to eat it. She goes, try it. Just one bite. I said, okay. So she gives me the food and I eat. I'm like, oh, this thing is good. 
Jesus, what did I tell you? What did I tell you? I told you this thing was good. And I said, Heidi, uh, people might think you're scolding me. So maybe smile and say, this thing is good. This is great. This food is awesome. You know, do that because I wonder if they think you're scolding me. And she goes, what? She goes, I said, yeah, maybe they think you're scolding me. She goes, yeah, then I'm going to scold you. <laughs> I said, no, you're supposed to smile. And I'm thinking this. I'm thinking people are thinking she's scolding me. Because if, if they don't know what's going on, they could be from a distance saying, oh, first he's drinking, now look. No wonder they're fighting. Look, she's snapping in and she's telling him, you know you. You know you as a husband. You, you make this kind of food and I don't like eat this and just your phone. Hey, you take them. That's what I'm thinking. They're thinking. And so I'm worried about what other people are thinking. And I thought, we worry. We worry about so many different things. Now, that might be a small incident, a one-time thing, but we worry about finances. We worry about our children. We worry about our marriage. We worry about our, our, our future. We worry about what's going to happen today. We worry about what's going to take place tomorrow, what, what's going to happen in our world. We worry about the economy. We worry about so many things. And God has a cure for that. He helps us through this season or the times we go through worrying. In fact, Jesus said it very well. And in Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. But I want to read this to us. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to read from verse 25. The book of Matthew is in the New Testament. And when Jesus speaks these words, I'm thinking, wait. Jesus spoke purposefully. He didn't just speak at random and, and, and just, you know, communicate words that were just, you know, no life to it. He spoke words of life. It was very purposeful. So when he speaks these words, we pay attention because he's saying something that is critical to the issue at hand that he's addressing. And so he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Then he says this, here's some proof. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? In other words, what he's saying is, worrying changes nothing. It cannot add to anything else. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now, keep that word faith there. You know, it's circle it if it's in your Bible. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, or those that were not close to God, or those that were far from God, or you had the Jews who were God's chosen people, and Gentiles were everyone else. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So in other words, Jesus is addressing the issue of concern. He is addressing the issue that God knows we need these things. What Jesus is not saying is, don't even have these things. He's saying, no, no, these are, these are some major concerns, what you eat where you live, your life, and clothing, and so forth. He's saying, no, it's a concern. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. 
Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You see, worrying causes something to go wrong on the inside. We're not created to worry. We're created to live by faith. That's what we're created to do. Not worry. We're created to live by faith. Worry starts with a simple thought. That's where it comes. We just have a simple thought. What if? I wonder. How come? What about? It's a simple thought. And then we begin to worry. Last week we talked about stress and how that affects us. Stress triggers worry. We stress on it and then we think a thought. And then there goes everything else. And Jesus says, seek first my kingdom. Seek first the things of God, my righteousness. And everything else will be taken care of. Everything else will be added. You won't have to worry about these things. God will take care of He'll give you wisdom. He'll help you through when you're worrying the most. He says, there's a way for you to do this. It's, it's not the normal way, but it's the way I created you. And when you have faith and confidence in me, that worry goes away. And now you trust in me. See, if we, if we constantly are worrying, it, it, it does something to us on the inside. We'll have problems. We'll have stomach ailments. It'll affect our heart. It'll affect our organs. It'll affect the way we think, our focus. Something happens when we worry. And it ruins us from the inside out because we're not created to worry. God didn't create us that way. So when we worry, it affects the very fibers of our being. Because that's not the way we're designed. See, every single one of us can alter the way we respond to worry by learning God's cure for worry. And most of the time, worry actually comes from past negative events. Something happens, now we worry about that. Or a past negative event in someone else's life. Something happens to someone else and you think, boy, what if that happens to us? What if that happens to my child? What if that happens to my parents? What if that happens to my family? And so we worry about these things. You know who really does not worry as much as us, as adults? Children. They don't worry at all. Watch them. They'll go play by the road. They're not worried about getting banged. Why? Because they never got banged. But if they did, they would worry after that. And so would you. Because a negative event took place. But we're there for them to help them because we worry that they're going to get banged. Why? Because we understand that there's harm there. Kids don't worry as much as we do. They could care less. That's why... That's why we fight a lot of times with our kids because we worry more than they do. And they're like, why? What's wrong with my room? What do you, what's wrong with your room? Like a bomb went off. Yeah, but I still know where everything is. This is clean. This is dirty. This is kind of dirty. I can still use this. So they don't worry about anything. In fact, there's a, there's a young kid who was eight years old when he became king. His name is King Josiah. And if you're reading with us in your devotions, you're going to find that this king at eight years old had no real worries. He did surround himself with advisors and people that would help him. But he found out that there were certain things that were being done and certain things that were not being done. And so he restored certain things. In fact, he said, as they're restoring the temple, he said, "Uh, go get the carpenters and those that are going to repair the temple and disperse the money to them. All the money that's collected in the temple... And use it to restore the temple. Kind of like how we do here. 
we restore certain things and, and your giving go, goes towards that and we, we upgrade things and we do everything possible so that people can come to know Jesus Christ. Well, King Josiah was saying, we got to restore this place. So give the carpenters and everyone who is going to be involved in this, give them the finances. And then he says this, you don't have to keep an account. You don't have to worry about the finances. You don't even have to keep receipts from these guys. They're okay. And I'm thinking, that doesn't work in our world today. It's like you as a business owner saying, we don't need books. We don't need a cash register. Just whoever comes and goes, you know, what they pay, they pay. And there's no receipts. We don't need to keep record. That's what Josiah did. He trusted them so much that he didn't even worry about it. Now, there's wisdom to that, I'm sure. But that's how much he didn't worry. He didn't, it, it wasn't that he didn't care. It's he didn't worry. Because there was nothing in his past that said, you don't need to trust, you can't trust these guys he knew everything in himself and the ways of God to say, I can trust these guys. Now, whether or not they handled that well, didn't change the fact that they wouldn't handle it well. If he was to worry about them handling this well or not, it wouldn't change the fact of how they would handle the money. For instance, if you have a loved one and... You worried that they were going to be physically injured. And they did. Did your worrying cause that? Did your worrying make that happen? On the other hand, let's just say you worry about the same thing. You worried about a loved one getting physically injured and nothing happens. Did your worrying prevent them from getting injured? See, our worrying change, does not change the results. But it does change us. Worrying does not change the outcome. People will make decisions. People will do things. Life will happen. Sometimes people will do things and we think, did I cause that? But worrying doesn't cause anything like that. This king, Josiah, when he was implementing the worship to God and restored the worship to God, he made some key decisions that helped them to get back to worshiping the God that was able to save them. And I want to read for us just a small part in 2 Kings verse, uh, chapter 22. And this is Josiah as the king, as a young king. And when he makes these decisions, I'm sure there are people and there were people that were thinking, what are you doing? But Josiah follows the Lord. He sought after the Lord. And in 2 Kings chapter 22 Verse 18 says, But as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, in this manner you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, concerning the words you have heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse. And you tore your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you. When... Josiah heard about the laws of God and that they were not following the ways of God. He tore his clothes as an act of, boy, we got to do better. In other words, when they tore their clothes, it's our modern day version of saying, that tears me up. It just rips me apart. That was their version of it. They would tear their clothes. And the Lord says, surely, therefore, I will gather you to your fathers 
and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see the calamity which I will bring on this place. So they brought back word to the king. And Josiah restores the worship of the temple unto God. And I thought, wait a minute. What God is saying here is, our worrying doesn't change anything. But when we turn towards Him, there's certain things that doesn't happen. Not because our worrying or non-worrying, but because we turn to Him. There's certain calamities that we avoid because we turn everything over to God. See, the thing we can learn from Josiah is this. Number one, and you can write this in, to pray and seek the Lord. Because if we're not doing that, then we're really looking at the problem and worrying about the problem rather than praying to God and seeking the Lord to help us in this problem. See, every single one of us, we can alter the way we respond by worry. The way we respond to worry. By turning to God, seeking Him, praying to Him. Now, some of us will pray to God. But my question is this. Do we, do we pray to God worry-filled prayers, or do we pray to God faith-filled prayers? That's why faith is so important. A worry-filled prayer is kind of like this. Lord, my son is out tonight. He has not come home yet. So I pray for your protection. And I pray that you bring him home safely. In Jesus' name, amen. And you stay up all night worrying what they're doing. A faith-filled prayer would say the same prayer... And then, in Jesus' name, amen. And you go to sleep. Because you prayed to the Lord, who's able to do something you cannot do anything about. Worrying does not do anything about the situation. It does something to us, though. God says, you turn it over to me. You seek my face. You seek me. You pray to me. And the first thing that Josiah did was he inquired of the Lord. When they brought the book of the law to him, they brought the word of God to him, and they read it to him, Josiah said, wait a minute, we're not doing this? And they said, no, we're not following the ways of God. He said, "Then you know, let's seek the Lord, let's see what he wants us to do. And because he sought the Lord, then the Lord helped him through his reign and his rule. Now, Josiah made some not-so-good decisions in the future. He actually got killed in battle. And I wonder if he he went on the extreme, that he didn't worry so much that he wasn't wise when he went to battle. Because we can go on the extreme. In fact, some of us, we're in a marriage that you have both extremes. You have someone who is such a worrier. You worry, you worry, you worry, you worry. The other person is like, no big deal. Yeah, but we can't pay the bills. Ah, We can sell something. We can, yeah, something. How much kids we get? <laughs> joke, joke, joke. We wouldn't do that. But you have two extremes. You have one is a warrior, then you have one is like, ah, no big deal. But it's interesting, though. We all worry about something. Something your spouse worries about, you may not worry about. But something you worry about, they may not worry about. Imagine if both of you worry about the same thing. That's when it becomes difficult. And so we can be on one side or the other, and and God is saying, no, I want you right in the middle. Therefore, pray to me, seek my face. It's it's because you seek my face that I'm going to help you, that I'm going to gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see the calamity which I'll bring on this place. We worry about what might happen 
rather than pray and seek the God who is able to do something about what we cannot do anything about. Philippians 4, verses seven, uh, 6 and 7 tells us, Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. But in all your prayers, ask God for what you need. Always asking Him with a thankful heart, and God's peace, which is far beyond human understanding, will keep your hearts and minds safe in union with Christ Jesus. He's saying, don't, don't, don't worry about things, but pray to me. Seek me. Because when you do that and you seek my face, then I'm going to unleash a power that you cannot comprehend. It's going to be a, a, the kind of peace that nobody else will understand. No human being can understand it. You'll be in a situation that can worry you till the day you die. But he says, but if you pray to me and you seek my face, then I will bring you a peace that no one else can explain. And people will say, aren't you worried about this? And you'll be like, I should be worried about it, but I'm not. I have a peace that God gave to me. I don't know how to explain it because you really can't. It's his supernatural peace that comes upon us that, that will not be available unless we pray to him. Unless we seek his face. You know, at certain seasons of our lives, I noticed that many of us will deal with certain worries and different variations of worries because everyone worries about different things. Before we have children, and, and let's just say you're pregnant, you're worried about the pregnancy, maybe your health, maybe the baby's health. So you're worried about that. God says, pray to me about that. And then when you have children, you worry about your children because are they safe? Are they doing the things I used to do? Because if they are, oh man, we're in trouble. So we worry about the things that we used to do. And I'm, I'm sure our kids, they hear it all the time. You know, hey, you know, dad used to do this. So you got to be careful because, you know, this is what happened. And they're like, I'm not going to do that. And then they do the same thing. Then when they have kids, they're like, you know, my father told me not to do this. And I did it. So I'm telling you not to do this. And same thing your kids are going to tell you. I'm not going to do that. And it goes on and on and on and on. We worry about the things that were in the past. So when we have children, we worry about them. We're concerned, that's why. I look at worry as, as prolonged concern. It's okay to be concerned, but not forever. You'd be concerned about an incident or, or let's just say our kids are out late. I'm concerned. So either I'll call them or say, you need to be home by 1230. If they're not home, then I pray, God, bring them home safely. Protect them from the evil one. In Jesus' name, amen. Good night. Then when they come home, give them lickings. But I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I'm not worried they can get lickings. I know they can get lickings. I'm not worried. They may be worried, but I'm not worried. But we worry about our children. We also worry about our finances. Are our finances going to be met? Can we sustain the lifestyle that we're living with what God is providing? And so we worry about finances. We worry about our relationship, our marriage. We worry about our family. We go through different seasons. We worry about our health. We worry about the tests. Is it positive? Is it negative? What do the doctors say? We worry about these things. And God says, you, you put those things to me. You pray to me and you seek me because worry is going to start with our thoughts. But faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And when God speaks to us, that's faith. That's where it begins. And then he says, faith without works is dead. So now you've got to do something about this. Here's the second thing. Don't make worry a lifestyle. Don't make it a lifestyle. Have you ever been around a warrior? Someone who worries all the time. Now you might be thinking, I'm that person. Then you're around them 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. That's tough. You're worried about worrying. That's how you know. That's, a, that's, that's deep. 
I was, uh, when I was in the youth ministry, I was in my office, and I was on my laptop, and one of the youth were playing with the volleyball in there. And I said, oh, would you uh, play with that outside just in case it hits something? And she says, fine then. Last bump, hit her knuckle, flew straight to my laptop, hit my laptop screen down. I did not know my laptop could open that much. The thing just flat open, plow. And I looked at it, I turned on, she went, and everybody else in the office was, and I looked at it, it was fine. I just turned to her, I said, see, that's why you got to play the ball outside. And it was fine and everything was good. I painted a helmet, one of these T-ball helmets. I painted it, put it on a stool, told my friends, make sure you're not playing with that in here. And I think it was a soccer ball, volleyball, or a football, one of those things. I said, I don't worry. What happens? The thing hits the helmet out of 3,000 square feet. It hits one square feet where I didn't want it to go. Hits the helmet, ruins the paint job. And I'm thinking, what did I just say? Now, did my worrying make that happen? No, their stupidity did. <laughs> Sorry, Sandy, you're going to have to say that. But I, I, worrying doesn't change the event. Worrying doesn't change anything. People will make decisions. People will do things. People will say things. But I'm not going to make worry my lifestyle. I'm not going to hover around all my equipment now and say, okay, I'm not going to be around nobody because it might happen again. Then when I see people playing volleyball, no, 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 no. Don't play volleyball around this. Don't play volleyball around me because you know, 40 years ago, this is what happened. And so we have a hard time trusting people because we make worry a lifestyle and we say, no, I, I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't trust you anymore because this is what happened in my life. I've been married before, so I don't trust you anymore. And the person is like, wait, but this is our relationship. Yeah, but this happened to me before. So we worry about something today that happened in the past that might happen tomorrow. And so we're paralyzed in our life and we make it our lifestyle. God gives us some principles in how not to make it our lifestyle. And under number two, A, that letter A, humble myself before God. This is what he says we must do to help us through uncertainty and when we're in a state of anxiety, when we worry a lot. Because we'll still have concerns, but just don't drag it out and make it a lifestyle. Humble myself before God. In other words, you, you come to God and you say, I need help. That's what we're saying. When I humble myself before God, I'm saying, I need help. And sometimes we don't do that because we're just prideful people. Not in an arrogant way, but in a prideful way of saying, I got this. I can do this. But God says, just humble yourself before me. Come before God because there's nothing more we can do with it. We come to God and say, I, I, I can't go any further. I'm worried about this too much. I, I humble myself before you. And when I humble myself before God, and when you humble yourself before God, He unleashes His power that will never be unleashed unless we humble ourselves before Him and ask for His help. And then He says this, the second thing, B, leave my worries with God. You got to leave them with Him. That's the faith-filled prayer. You pray it, and you go to sleep. You pray it, you leave it with God. That's why he says to cast your cares on me. In fact, 1 Peter 5, verses 5 through 7. In the same way, you younger people must submit to your elders, and all of you must put on the apron of humility to serve one another. For the scripture says, God resists the proud, 
but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves then under God's mighty hand so that he will lift you up in his own good time. Leave all your worries with him because he cares for you. One translation says, and one version says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. That word cast actually and literally means to throw. And if you ever went to like a pond or the beach and you pick up a stone, a flat one, and you try and see how far you can skip it or how many skips you can do. That's what he's saying. That's what casting means. It means you throw it and you're done. After you throw that rock and you see it skip, you don't wonder, I wonder where the rock is going. I wonder how deep the water is. I wonder if the rock is going to be okay. I wonder if you hit a shark on the way down. You're not worried about it. You, you threw it, you're done. You go pick up another rock and you cast that one. God says, when you, when you leave your worries with me, that's how you do it. You cast it, you're done. Because I care for you. One man, one man said it this way. Every evening, I turn my worries over to God. He's going to be up all night anyway. And I thought, well, that's true. I don't want to be up all night. God, you're already up. Here's my worries. Thank you. Good night. And go to sleep. The third thing, C, letter C, don't stay in the past. It's a tough one. Because that's where a lot of worrying comes from. It's our past. We worry about what's going to happen in the future because some horrific thing happened in the past. And although valid that that thing happened, why worry about what may not happen? Because it can't change our future, but it can change us and paralyze us today. But if you live in the past and you stay there, then you ruin what God wants to do today. And most of us, we live with the lifestyle of worry because we stay in the past. And we keep dragging that on with us. And we keep the past alive by bringing it into our lives today. The Bible tells us this. Jesus said these words. John 12, 46 says, I have come into the world as light so that everyone who believes in me should not remain in the darkness. What Jesus is saying is you're going to experience worry. Just don't remain there. We're going to experience dark times. But I brought you the light so you don't remain in darkness. Some of us worry so much that we do see the light at the end of the tunnel, but then we worry if it's an oncoming train. And Jesus says, wait a minute. No, no, no. I, I've, I've come as a light into the world so that you don't remain in darkness. Don't stay in the past. Don't make it your lifestyle. You come to me. You cast your cares on me because I'm going to help you through this. And then the last thing, don't trust what I feel or see. Trust the Lord. We're going to have feelings of regrets, worries. We will stress from time to time, stress out. But don't go by what we feel. Don't trust what we feel and see. Trust the Lord. Sometimes we say, you got to follow your gut instinct. you got to follow your heart. But there's danger to that because we're not seeking God first. I say, seek God first. Seek the Lord. Trust what He says, not what we feel. Trust what He says, even though we may not feel that way. Trust what He says. Because when you trust what He says then our feelings will catch up and it'll be the right feelings. It won't be wrong motives. 
It won't be, be because of our evil desires or selfish desires. It'll be because of God's desire and what he desires for us, which is what is best. So we don't go by what we feel or what we see. We go by what God says. See, worry sees the problem. Faith sees God who can solve the problem. Worrying does nothing. It changes nothing. And worrying can be by ex, you know, exterior environmental situations and issues. But don't let it become internal. And the only way for it to not become in, internal is not go by what we feel or see, but by what God says. And that we trust in His Word and in what He says. And Josiah trusted in God. This young king trusted in God. He made some critical decisions that not too many people were happy about. But he knew that this is what God said, and he trusted God. One of his contemporaries, a man by the name of Habakkuk, wrote these words down during that time period. Habakkuk 3, verses 17 through 19 says, Even though the fig trees have no fruit, and no grapes grow on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no corn, even though the sheep all die and the cattle stall, stalls are empty, it almost seems hopeless, and, and the cattle stalls are empty, I will still be joyful and glad because the Lord God is my Savior. The Sovereign Lord gives me strength. He makes me sure-footed as a deer and keeps me safe on the mountains. Habakkuk realized that even though things don't look promising, things are not the Savior. God is. Habakkuk lived through the Reformation time and saw the revival that took place when Josiah made this change, but he also saw spiritual decline. But Habakkuk knew that God was the Savior. That even though all these things don't look like it's going to be too promising, he was able to look to God. Josiah was able to look to God. Jesus Christ even spoke about not worrying, which tells us he has all the power and the cure for worry. God wants to take us to the mountaintops. Just don't worry how he gets us there. Amen. And close your Bibles and put away your notes. You know, I know some of us, we pray for people and uh, we experience, you know, different things in life. Especially in ministry, you know, we encounter various situations. Or you might be a doctor or maybe a nurse and you deal with patients, you deal with illnesses and, and you see horrific things. Or maybe even as a school teacher, you deal with all kinds of things. And I think we all do. And it can be a burden for us because we see all these things happening and, and we can carry these things and, and worry about things that may, ha may happen in our lives or we see something on TV or in the news and so we worry about it. And I'm so glad that God says, when you cast your cares on me, I'll take care of everything else. That I'm, I'm going to be the one that carries you through these seasons that you go through. That I want to help you. And I want to be just like what Habakkuk said, that I will still be joyful and glad because the Lord God is my Savior. The Sovereign Lord gives me strength. He makes me sure-footed as a deer and keeps me safe on the mountains. Those words are so comforting because it's God's Word. His Word is unchanging. And we're going to pray today that if we're worried about things and if we're living a lifestyle of worry, that we will turn that over to God in exchange for this life that he says we can live. 
that we'll be sure-footed on high mountains. Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray? Lord, the worry that we go through, sometimes we don't know what to do with. But we're beginning to learn what the cure for worry is. And it's really turning to you to cast our cares on you. Help us to seek your face. Help us to pray to you. Sometimes we, we pray, but we, we, pray, we pray more like worry-filled prayers rather than faith-filled prayers. So help us to pray faith-filled prayers and the peace that surpasses all human understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Some of us have worried all our lives, so we don't know any other way. But we don't want to make worry our lifestyle. We want to, we want to change that. But we can't. It's only through you and your power and your strength. So we humble ourselves before you. We ask you for help. That we wouldn't make it a lifestyle. But that we would leave it with you. And as we do so, Lord, that your promises will enter our lives. It's because of you that we can live a lifestyle that is filled with more faith than worry. So we put our trust in you. Not in our feelings or what we see, but in you. And there may be some this morning, Lord, they don't know how to do that. And, and maybe it's because they've never given their hearts to you. And you might be here this morning and you're saying, I, I do worry a lot. I, in fact, I worry about what's going to happen when I die. I don't know what's going to happen after that. I don't know if I'm going to be with God in heaven. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know for sure. Well, if you want to know for sure, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. And those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, I, I want to give Jesus my heart. I'm not going to ask you to stand or do anything else. I just, I just want to ask you to just lift a hand. And, and you're saying, I want to give Jesus my heart. I've never done that before. But I, I want to know for sure that I'm in his care. And you want to receive Jesus into your heart. You can just lift a hand and we'll pray. Good. 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 You're saying yes to Jesus Christ. Good. You can put your hands down. We can all pray this prayer together and mean it with all of our hearts. All of us. Let's pray this. Heavenly Father. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross. Washing my sins away. I believe you died. And rose from the grave. To give me eternal life. Help me. Not to worry. But to turn it over to you. I trust in you. And I thank you for being my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said amen. Amen.